0: I hope you're enjoying Curioser Podcast October Extravaganza, the Kick Kicker Five. We bring you five episodes in the month of October.
1: Verlaine Drinks by Antonin Artaud. There will always be whores on street corners, lost shells stranded on the stellar shores of a blue dusk, which belongs neither here nor on earth, where taxis roll by like bewildered beetles. But they roll less than in my whirling head, the green gem of absinthe deep in the glass, where I drink perdition and the thunder of the Lord's judgment to roast my naked soul. Ah, how the tangled spindles of the streets Turn and spin the fabric of men and women as if a spider were weaving her web with the filaments of uncovered souls.
2: the Curioso is someone who requires. I'm Christopher Scarborough, and I'm Joe Taylor, and welcome to the Curioso Podcast. We are here today at the Curioso Podcast to uh, to talk about absinthe. What else, Joe? Are you uh, are you excited? Yes, I am. And also, we have a buddy here with us. Here's Mike. So we're gonna start off this uh, podcast with uh, with a bang. We're gonna do some absinthe neat. It's botanical. Yeah. It's very botanical. Mm-hmm. Licorice. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have started off in a different way. <coughs> All right. Well, <laughs> since you um, Since, I know we've kind of already started, but when we sort of introduced Mike just for the video that we're going to be putting out. That's right. But Mike, introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Cornett. I run the blog Dust and Corruption at dustandcorruption.blogspot.com. I review horror and mystery fiction and all sorts of related tat. So I have a lot of fun with that. One of these days, I might even have my own podcast. We'll see how this one goes. Right. Nice. Well, well,
2: we'll consider this a backdoor pilot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if that's yeah. okay. Yeah. We'll <laughs> give it a shot. And, and if you ever get it running, you are definitely welcome to promote <laughs> it on here. And I, I've i read some Dusk and Corruption, and I, I, I like it a lot. It's oh, very you. good. Yeah. And uh, we met Mike originally at our... Um, our live At our, show, our live show that we did about vaudeville, mm-hmm. he came out and he was extremely loud and vocal. <laughs> yeah, he was. It was I'm awesome. famous for that. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and ooh, I'm really feeling that in my chest a bit area. Warm, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of going warm down. Um, <laughs> so Mike was extremely loud, and we just kind of had some correspondence about the show, and he suggested a few things. And one of the things that he just suggested was absinthe, yeah. and uh, and I thought that that would be a great idea since we do uh, do liquor episodes and beer episodes and drinking food sometimes and Mm -hmm. um, as well as I I also think that uh, this is the ending of our Crypt Kicker 5 our Halloween episode this is our
1: Halloween episode (laughs) and this is a spirit yeah oh yes (laughs) and And a green fairy mm -hmm. and
2: many many other things it's been called yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's been some horrors done uh, uh, on absinthe, but yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that a little oh, yeah. bit later on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Joe, uh, why don't you tell us what absinthe is? Oh, man. Um, it's a drink that could possibly
0: make you go mad. <laughs> 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 right. Well, okay. So the, the etymology most likely comes from the Greek word absintheon, which means undrinkable. Presumably because well, of we the just taste. we
2: just proved that that's wrong. Yes.
0: <laughs> so the, the first and how? Yeah, the first absence were uh, pretty much uh, wormwood leaves soaked in wine or spirits. Mm-hmm. This is Greeks and Romans used to use wormwood for its its uh, many many uses, and they would just soak it in, you know, their their. For wine. its medicinal properties.
1: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a medical herb. It, I think it has. Um, antimicrobial and antiparasitic properties. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. that's right. I I I I read that it it can yeah, it'll keep bugs away,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know? Uh it keeps you know. a lot of people away. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh so even uh your your old buddy, Hippocrates, Hippocrates. Oh, Hippocrates. Yeah, Hippocrates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> recommended it for uh rheumatism, anemia, menstrual pains. Uh, Pythagoras... That's what I use it for. Is that what you... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pythagoras prescribed it for women during childbirth.
3: Well, mm-hmm. that's... I'm, I'd like
2: to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Strung out on absinthe. I think, I think having you're alone a baby. on that one because I don't think that I would. I've been, I have seen it and I don't want to see it again. <laughs> of course, we weren't drinking absinthe at the time. It might have made it easier on me. Right. Yeah.
0: The Roman scholar Pliny the Elder called it absinthium in the first century A.D. He stated it was to be given to champion chariot racers to remind them that even glory has its bitter side. He also prescribed it for bad breath and the elixir of youth. So you won't have stinky breath, and you'll live forever if you drink absinthe. There we go.
2: Now, are you saying that the... That, um, that like, they made absinthe back then? No. Fully? Or you're just saying absinthium, the... Wormwood. Wormwood,
0: okay. The scientific name for wor- wormwood is Artemisia absinthium. Okay. That is the... And that's the, what they use. Yes, that is the family of wormwood. And there are many different species and uh, plants that fall within that absinthium realm. But the grand wormwood is...
2: Artemisia absinthium.
0: absinthium. Yes.
2: Okay. All right, so which is where absinthe gets its name from, obviously. Yes, yes. exactly. Because uh, it's completely undrinkable.
0: <laughs> in the Middle Ages, wormwood was used to exterminate tapeworms. I,
2: yep. I, I feel like mine's gone already. <laughs>
0: I need to have another one back. <laughs> Just give me <laughs> another tapeworm. Uh, so abs, absinthium, the, the wormwood plant, is in the daisy family. Okay. Native to Europe, a, it's a perennial plant, so year after year it'll keep coming back. And it contains terpenine throjone, is that right? Thujone? Thujone? Thujone. Thujone. Thujon. Okay, okay. I'm okay. you
2: know. getting corrected twice.
0: <laughs> Thujone. Thujone. Thujon.
2: It's like the Joan. Right. Yeah, but, but it's yeah, thujon. just all one word. Right, Thujone. Well, spell it.
0: T-H-U-J-O-N-E.
2: Yeah. Yeah. joan.
0: The Joan? The Joan. It's like a 70s, like, black exploitation movie.
3: <laughs> the Joan. <Jones. laughs> That's
0: right. Here comes the Joan. <laughs> Thought to be a mind-altering component in absence, but in extreme quantities, thru is toxic and may cause hyperactivity, excitability, delirium, seizures, or even worse. Uh, wormwood oil... In its raw state, is considered a poison.
2: Well, yeah, it's it's a neurotoxin, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in large large quantities, mm-hmm. and um, I, we'll get into that a little bit later too, because we're going to talk about uh, why. It has such a mystique Mm -hmm. because it was banned for nearly 100 years. Yeah. So, but unlike some of the alcohols that we've discussed, say, like mead, where we really don't know the actual, you know, origin, you know, necessarily. I mean, we know generally where it comes from. Mm -hmm. But opposed to those with absinthe, we know specifically the year and the person who created it. No. Oh no, we don't. I, I disagree. I we, disagree.
0: No, what we were just saying, yeah, comes from the Greeks and the Romans using wormwood in. They alcohols. used wormwood, yes, yes, yes. But yes. it wasn't. They didn't. It wasn't called. It wasn't absinthe. Right. the The guy you're talking about, he was the first one to write down a recipe, because you had. But it's like moonshine. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you take moonshine from you know the Appalachians, every family is going to have their own recipe. Every yeah. single They're family all who still makes... going
2: to taste awful. <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: true. Uh, but... However,
2: they will all have the same desired effect,
0: much like absinthe. So the guy who first uh, wrote down uh, a recipe for moonshine and packaged it and marketed it wasn't the first guy to invent moonshine.
2: I,
3: I right?
0: Don't, I don't
2: know. Right? I don't know. No, I mean maybe. Same yeah. with absinthe. But he called it something else.
0: Wasn't the first guy to invent it? He was just the yeah, first one. Yeah, but he one. has such
2: a great name.
0: No, no, no! I, I know. Are you gonna say his name? No, you're gonna say his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just disagreeing with you. He's not the guy who invented it. He's the guy who wrote it down.
2: It, but literally, it says right here on this web page. Absinthe was first created in 19, uh, 1792, not 1972. <laughs> we'll get back to the uh, the, the base and the um Right? Uh, no, in 1792 by Pierre Ordinaire. Right. God, right. I love that name. <laughs> it's like Pepe Le Pew. I mean, he, well, right. he was a French doctor. Yeah. So he was. yeah, it was Pierre Ordinaire. He was living in Switzerland, and uh, he decided to get the, you know, basically the, the extract of the wormwood plant. So he made mm-hmm. a tincture with it, and that, you know, he was trying to get the powerful, healing, you know, uh, medicinal qualities out of it, right. and made a tincture out of it. And, uh, you know, it, it says right here on this webpage, he was the first guy, Joe. Evolution. So, I mean, I mean, we can th- agree to disagree. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Mike could be the tiebreaker. But he knew how
0: it was used as a as medicinal tincture yes. from the Greeks and the Romans. That was a. It's a passed down thing. It's a family thing. In that region, people use the wormwood for that purpose, I, I applying guess, it to I guess. a recipe. I'm just saying, chocolate cake. I know. Cake. I know. I'm just chocolate teasing you, man.
2: Chocolate cake is chocolate cake, man. It just I'm just oh, saying.
3: Either way, Sara did
2: not invent chocolate cake. I, I understand that. Either way, <laughs> my only my point is, is I just wanted to point him out I know. with the fact that he is he is quoted as being the, the he's the father of yeah, modern absinthe. Yes. Okay. Well, then let's.
0: let's there we Let's. Go. let's we'll leave go it at with that. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whew, starting it off with a
2: bang—an angry bang. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't. That wasn't angry. No. That was just a disagreement, and there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Just give me more absence. I'll be fine.
2: Okay. Well, we can move <laughs> on to uh, to uh, the next one if you'd like. Sure do you, do you okay. are we going to be like are we going to have like a little history Yes. have a little drink a little history have, have a little drink, drink. let's yes. do yeah yes. i think that that sounds perfect. good to me we got to keep it so. moving all right Micah, what do you want to do first uh, well second actually what second. would you like
1: to do well we did the fe mm-hmm. um well, let's just move, yeah. down, move on down the line and do some pacifique. Okay.
2: okay, and uh, Pacific—that's one of the bottles that I just recently bought at, at our friends over at Dawson's Liquors mm-hmm. uh, over in um, Severna Park, and yep. they're they're one—they're right on uh, B and A Boulevard in Severna Park. And uh, the gentleman who suggested this to me, uh, basically, it's from Washington State. Now, they they say that they use a French recipe right. that they have uh, acquired, and they recently started making absinthe. I believe maybe. For about five or six years now, something okay. like that. So this okay. is a newer one. It's a but relatively I believe, young. I believe the Pacific is our is at our highest level.
1: Uh, what of alcohol content? Sixty two percent.
2: No, I believe. Yeah, no. The Lucid and the
0: Pacific, Pacific
2: are both the are same. Are tied? Yeah, both sixty two percent. So sixty two percent, which would be how much proof? One hundred and twenty, something like that. Hundred and ten,
1: hundred right? and twenty. Well, that yeah. someone here knows that because I. Don't well, it's it. basically what double 124, right? One hundred twenty four. Yeah. 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 Isn't, 55%
0: isn't, is 110, so you add that. So it's yeah. right there on the label. Oh, or we <laughs> can just mind. read the label. <laughs> yeah. The power
2: of reading. So are we going to try the drip
0: method? Yeah. Do you guys want to do it that way? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. All
1: right. Classic French drip. You put about an ounce of absinthe in the bottom of the glass. I guess that looks kind of ouncey. It's
2: ounce. Well, we 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 actually have a jigger, we so have, we could
1: actually yes, check the ounce. Yes, we could actually do that.
2: <laughs>
0: so we actually have two.
1: <laughs> well, let's try another we'll, glass we'll and try that see what time. happens. Try <laughs> again. See if I eyeballed it correctly. that eh, was about half. Is ounce. that,
2: hold on. Is that side the ounce, or is the other side the ounce? It's. Isn't right. that the, isn't that two ounce the top?
1: Yes.
2: So that's the oh. two ounce. Okay. So that's double. So we can just split that.
1: Which means I I eyeballed it about right. Yeah,
2: I think you did eyeball it right. Yeah, that is that with the with the jigger, the the bigger side is the t- is two ounce, and then the smaller side is one ounce. So.
1: Let's say if you need.
3: Oh, we all buy sugar. <laughs> all of us. Yeah, that's so funny. Okay. That's great. Now,
2: I myself, I have to be honest with you, I'm a two cube kind of guy. You're a two cube guy. I am a two cube guy. Yeah.
1: Okay. You can have mine. I'm a no cube guy. You're oh great. Okay, right. that's great. All right. This
0: thing's
2: a little delicate when it comes to the actual drip. I like the fact that Joe actually went to Pier One Imports and bought a very nice uh, absinthe dripper. Yeah, I'm. I was. I want. Or sangria dripper. What I mean, really, whatever kind of dripper you'd like to use it for. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's gonna work. Yeah, you know. Um. So we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about the French method. So yeah, just uh, Mike, go ahead, Mike. Well, this
1: is the classic French method where you pour in an ounce to an ounce and a half of absinthe in a glass, and a lot of times they have specially made glasses that have a little bulb at the bottom that you just pour it into and you know how much is necessary. The French would actually um, use just plain water, and they would leave it up to you to decide how much water. Mm-hmm. They would bring you the glass of the absinthe with a carafe of water and a little dish of sugar cubes and a spoon, and you decide how much sugar you wanted, how much water you wanted to use. you know. And they, they disdained people who... Um, Drink it neat. That was considered. <laughs> really? Oh, that like was considered, we just did yeah. at, the top <laughs> right. of the, at the top of the hour. That was yeah. considered fit for barbarians. <laughs>
2: oh, so. yeah. Can yeah. you pull the spoon over just a little bit so you can get the drip? Yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah. But um, yeah, the modern craze for lighting the sugar cube on fire and then lighting the absinthe on fire, they call that the Bohemian method, although that's something that was probably never even anywhere near Bohemia. It was yeah. just. Right. Yeah.
2: Is this yours, Chris? Uh, sure, yeah. So you want Absolutely. Yeah, we can... Double yeah, give Q. it to me first. I'm, I'm good with that. Absolutely. We'll, well, long and slow. That's the... Yeah, that, everything that I've read about this, you you let it drip long and slow, so it gets really, you know, in there. Now... And it gets nice and milky, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what the... The, the,
1: the lushing.
2: Looshing. Yes. yes. Which uh, apparently means cross-eyed. Does it really? Yes. Like disco? Oh, wait. We're not allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> um... <laughs> so uh okay so uh, does anybody know why it looshes? no i i have found out
1: so he has found out yeah it's, it, this is
2: great so basically the essential oils that are in the alcohol are alcohol al- alcohol look at me i have alcohol in me too yeah are alcohol soluble soluble right. soluble 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 that's what i said mm-hmm. soluble uh, however, when you start to drip water into it and it mixes with it, they are not water soluble. So uh, no. henceforth, you get the the luching. So basically, they don't they don't like to you know mix together. Right. So that's, that's why you get the side. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So that's why that works.
1: That works very nicely. Yeah.
2: I think that should be good, don't you? All right. I think everything's done. Just give me a good stir, Joe, if you would. Mm-hmm. You want you want more water in that? It should have a little bit more water. It should be one
0: one part. All right, all right. One well, give, part... give me a
2: good squirt. Right. Go ahead, unload her.
0: Because it should be one part um, absinthe to four parts
2: water. Yeah, I've seen like between three and five. Yeah, something like that.
0: Well, with these glasses, so. I would say just at the bottom of the uh, yeah the
2: bell. Now, what I've heard called the the check method, or, or like you said, Mike, the Bohemian method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that we're definitely going to have to give that a shot. Uh, the next round, okay. so but we'll do that. We'll do that after we try these. Now you said you don't want to sugar. I am
1: a no, I'm a no sugar guy. I'm gonna do a single, okay. I'm one of those weirdos that to me, putting sugar in it is actually actually makes it too sweet for my taste. Oh really? I, yes. I practiced with this thing last night, just because
0: a lot of the drippers that I've seen, mm-hmm. um, the non absinthe ones, the ones I was thinking about using, all have this sort of like plunger, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to sit there and hold it. But this is the first one I found with actual turn knob knob that turns the side. Yeah. So I messed around with it last night trying to just test it. And I tried two cubes, tried one cube. I've had absinthe before. Uh, Neat, straight, and just plain water. And uh, yeah, I think one works pretty well for me for my taste. But I do understand the no sugar appeal
2: yeah now we aren't using the the traditional glasses i just had some beer tasting glasses and that's what we're using right they're, they're you know so you can get the, like the nose and the character of beer and things like that so that that's what we're actually using um and I, I don't i think that that's fine you know i mean the bulb specifically was made so that you could pour an ounce So you knew where it was in the very bottom. It kind of has like the the bulb that comes up. And once you fill that, you know that it's full of the the correct amount of absinthe. So since we're using a a jigger, I don't think that we're really gonna need those. (laughs) So. All right, Joe. Yours is up. All right, now, Mike is specifically going without any sugar at all. And um, I personally think he's crazy. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's got a method to his madness. And uh, it might get even worse now that we're drinking absinthe. And we all know absinthe can make you mad. All right, well, let's give this guy's a right. shot. Oh, yours is a lot,
0: a lot lighter there, Mike.
1: Yes, my, you know, without the sugar, it's a lot clearer. Yours yeah. is yeah. A, little a little more milky. More milky and opaque. All right, well, yeah. let's give it a shot.
2: Wow, that is much easier. I'm going to get the dog hair out of mine. I apologize if you all have dog hairs in yours.
1: Oh,
0: um,
2: The Quentin hairs. Yeah, I have, I have a dog. So um, it's, uh, it's much easier to do than, yeah. than uh, just neat. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm. A, lot e- a lot easier on your palate. And...
2: Yeah. Wow, you can really see that dog hair floating in there. In, in that yes you can can't you <laughs> do, do you really have one too no, <laughs> no don't. <laughs> I don't I must have got yours <laughs> because I have two
0: all right so the, this um the absinthe that we're enjoying right now well uh, mine absinthe and dog hair <laughs> absinthe and dog hair it's they were used as aperitives mm-hmm. uh, basically it was a it's a Latin for aperia to open. And it's an appetite stimulator. They're still used okay.
2: in France and Italy today. So uh, instead of like a digestive, or what, what is it? That a is dig- the that is Di- the digestive. Digestive. Thank yes. you. Digestive. I was. I. I. My pr- pronunciation is c- just going to continually get worse oh, as the podcast yeah. goes on.
1: Those are generally sweet, right? Those are generally sweet, and they're um, for after. a meal. They're for after the meal. Right. The apéritif is for before the meal, and this was also just a great way of just. Ending the workday, yeah. and and you know welcoming the uh, welcoming the evening with an absinthe on your hand and a smile on your lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they tended to be bitter, yes, or very acidic,
3: yes.
0: And it, supposedly it, it helps the 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 body get ready to gi- digest, you know, food and to open your appetite and you know. Uh, and then you have your digestives, which are afterwards, yeah, after the to help the, meal. Mm-hmm. the digestion process along the way. So, and it's what, tr- what
2: is it? How, how is it pronounced? The uh, a what? Ape, appetif? Appetif. Appetite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is, All right. Yep. I could be completely off, but I'm being. No, it's, it's right. <laughs>
0: a p e r i t i f. Just Aperitif. don't admit it,
2: and you're fine. You just That's keep right. it. Yeah. Just don't just say just you're wrong. Head forward like a steamroller. <laughs> That's what I always do. Never admit I'm wrong. You know, and just go for it. Mm-hmm. It's always better to ask forgiveness than it is permission. <laughs> okay, this is literally so good, I'm 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 halfway through my glass already. <laughs> Seriously, it, I'm actually enjoying it. I well, you did double sugar. I did, so, I, no, did I did, I did have sweet. double sugar. It, it is, yeah, it is. However, I've had this before, and I must have just not put enough water into it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the mix right, and it was just way too strong, and it was very much like. You know, like when we did it neat, when we took it as a shot, it was just, uh, it was just a, it was, you know, just too bitter for me. But for for some reason, during this podcast, and it might be the fact that I'm I'm sharing it with some uh, fellow cocktail lovers and, mm-hmm. and some friends, I'm enjoying this so much more than I ever have.
1: Just to touch on something I talked about before, in nineteenth century France, the um, around four to five o'clock to six o'clock in the evening was known as le vert, the green hour. Oh yes, yeah. Because that's when everyone would. Leave work. They'd head to the local bar and order their evening absinthe to kick their evening off.
0: Yeah, it was. It was kind of like happy hour, mm-hmm. um, but with the lovely, you know, green fairy tagging along yeah, with, with the, you. With the, yeah,
2: everything has a green tint. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me let me ask uh, both of you because I, I couldn't necessarily find this in my research. But mm. would would this be something that you know, like we were talking about? You said it's an apéritif. Um, is this something that you would? Drink throughout the entire night, generally, or or not necessarily. Would it be more of like this is to kick you off? This is your first drink.
1: I think traditionally it was just to kick you off. Yeah, to start mm-hmm.
0: your 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 evening, it's, and then as,
1: as time went by and it developed this mystique and this this aura of the forbidden about it, that people you know there was a bunch of the decadents, on the artists and poets who started chugging this stuff like there was no tomorrow <laughs> right and with or know, without ice and with sugar. or without ice sugar whatever and, right and it became you know associated with all the sin and debauchery which of course was partly a cause and part <laughs> partly an effect yeah yeah it's hard to tell which which came first was the people the reputation of the people indulging so i hate to bring this up
2: again but uh when You know, people mention hair of the dog. This is not what I was expecting. (laughs) Can I have the absence spoon? Maybe I can try and (laughs) sift this out. Well, let's talk
0: a little bit more about uh, Dr. Ordinaire's (laughs) recipe. Uh, It most likely included the following herbs. Wormwood, anise, hyssop, which I don't even know what that is. Hyssop. Hyssop. Is it like hiccup? (laughs) (laughs) Hyssop. (laughs) Ditani, sweet flag, melissa... Which is a type of mint.
2: It's also my sister.
0: That's true. And varying amounts of coriander, Veronica, chamomile, parsley, and even so there's two spinach. girls in this? Veronica yeah. and
2: Melissa? Heck yeah, that sounds like a party. <laughs> <laughs> it's a party. So yeah, basically it's it's it does. It has a lot of botanicals in it. And mm-hmm. those are all different botanicals that can be in it. Uh, right to but this flavor is- it. This was uh, Doctor Ordinaire's. Oh, his room. specific recipe. His recipe. Okay, See what I'm saying. Yeah, different mm-hmm. family recipes. Different recipes. Well, yeah, and that, that's the thing is that it has changed, and mm-hmm. so so basically, you you have the the different flavorings, right? That that's what gives absinthe its color mm-hmm. because of the the botanicals that you put in it. Right. That's what gives absinthe its you know, it, it's it's you know, its body, its flavor. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of. There's a lot of knockoff absence. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of absence that are, ah, ah, I've done my research on that one. There are some that are just made with spirits like grain alcohol and
2: then all the coloring and flavoring is
0: added. Mm-hmm. So,
2: well, that's the other thing too is that I've read that if your absinthe is like a neon green, kind of like Lafi that we you know cracked open. <laughs> right. But I've read a little bit about Lafayette, and they seem like a, a pretty decent company. The yes,
1: way. they are. They do have a rep. So yeah. Good so, so yeah.
2: But they basically, the, the if it's like a neon green, it's if it's an extremely bright green, mm-hmm. that typically means that you have you additives, know, additives like right. dyes. You've just put dyes like you know. Uh, Made up dyes into it instead mm-hmm. of using botanicals to, to color it.
1: Right. So, hyssop is a herb. Um, it's an antiseptic, cough reliever, and expectorant. So hmm. probably made a nice primitive cough medicine.
2: Yeah, nice. I I've, and you know I also want to mention that thujone, which is the the active ingredient in, you know. Quote, unquote. Yeah, quote, unquote. Yeah. I'm actually physically quote, unquoting with my fingers right mm-hmm. now. I'm giving air quotes. Uh, you know, that is in absinthe is related to menthol. Yes. So it's, it's very close to menthol.
0: Well, that's why they added a lot of mint, you know, in a lot of the recipes, you'll find mm-hmm. mint yep. as well or relatives of the mint.
2: Yeah, it has a very anise flavor, a very, a very minty flavor. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is very, uh, very breath freshening. Right. You know, if you will. And if that goes all all the way down you, you know, I could imagine that would help in your chest, you know, as well as, well as the alcohol.
0: Right. I mean, it turns up in tons of other products. It's found in Vix Vapor Rub.
2: I believe that's Vapo Rub. Oh, sorry. Vapo Rub. Va- Vapo. It's Vapo Rub. <laughs>
0: sorry. Uh, it's also in perfumes. So.
2: Yeah, thujone is found in perfumes a lot Yeah, yeah because of the, of the smell. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that there are other, other herbs b- besides the, the wormwood that has thujone in it. You mm-hmm. have, you have uh, sage, has it yeah. in there? I believe there's a few others, but uh, sage is, is one of the large ones that kind of just popped off the top of my head.
0: Coriander, tansy, tarragon, they also contain decent amounts of thujone.
1: Well, it sounds like Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, it does.
0: Yeah, it's not the uh, tryptophan,
2: it's the thujone that makes you <laughs>
1: Ooh, <laughs> go <yeah>. wacky. That <laughs> thujone high from the turkey.
2: <laughs> right. That's what I want. I want a thujone, uh, thujone tryptophan injected turkey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll just instead In- of marinating the turkey with
0: any, we'll just use. Absent. In, a- absent, yeah, that absent, yeah. yeah, absent, nice absent green turkey. turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be like green eggs and ham. Kind That's of. why yeah. it's green. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> See what you're doing to us, Doctor Seuss. <laughs> All right. So,
0: Dijon is actually believed to trigger inexplicable transformations in the mind. For more than two centuries, absent drinkers have reported perplexing shifts in sensory perception, as well as extreme clarity of thought and vast improvement in cognitive and creative abilities. There have been many, many studies of, of the effects of Wormwood over the years. In 1916, they did one, found no conclusive effects. And then it just goes well, from there. Well, there. there are effects. And oh, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. talked
2: before about, about being, you know, uh, warding off bugs and, and being an anesthetic and, and those kind of things. Right. The effects that you're specifically talking about are the hallucinogenic effects that people say the thujone has.
0: Right. So in 2000, in the year, in the year 2000, uh, (laughs) there was a study done. It was written in Science News Magazine, The Effects of Wormwood Herb on the Human Brain, conducted by researchers in the University of California, Berkeley, and Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago. The study has found that wormwood, as well as other ingredients in absinthe, cause... CNS, cholinergic receptor binding activity. This, according to scientists, has the effect of improving cognitive functions of the brain. So that was in the year 2000. And there's been several studies after that trying to substantiate that. And that's just one of the, it, it does seem to help you focus mm-hmm. on its own. Problem is, with absinthe, you're talking very, very high alcohol, alcohol content, levels. Yes. <laughs> and very, very, very little bit, you know, what, 10 parts per million of actual, yes. like, thujone?
1: Yes. Um, I, legally, um, absinthe that's sold in the U.S. is considered thujone-free. Right. It has less than 10 parts per whatever, of Thujone. Mm. Um, so really, I mean, it's just the booze. <laughs> right, right. And it,
0: it, you can drink enough of anything and go crazy yeah. and cut your ear off, but,
2: you know. <laughs> okay, but w- with the Thujone, whether it does or doesn't work, it, mm. it, it has been a, a favorite of artists and writers. Well,
0: here's my theory. This is just a theory. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, before Dr. Ordinaire Had mass production down and a solid single recipe. You had mom and pop places making their own versions, selling it 100 bottles at a time, you know, around different areas and different towns. Doesn't mean one batch from the other batch is going to be the same or have the same levels of any of these herbs. You're talking, you know, 1900s, maybe earlier with some of these bottles floating around. Some of the contents that I've read, possible levels of a, you know, 100, 150 uh, milligrams per bottle of Drujon. Yes. Possibilities, you know? Oh, yeah. So there could be substantiated reason for people seeing things or, or having these sort of mind altering effects. Yeah,
1: one thing I came across when I was doing research myself was um, speculation that some of the mind altering effects were really just due to. Um, poor quality control. Exactly. Heaven knows what was in that stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: Kind of like bathtub gin during Prohibition. Absolutely. That kind of thing. Yeah. You know, moonshine. Mm-hmm. You don't know, and and that that can still happen today. There are, right. are, are are some people that don't. You know, you can buy it if you buy absinthe from a back alley. Mm-hmm. It it you know can be just as bad as buying moonshine or or Pruno. You know, yeah. like the <laughs> toilet wine. You know, <laughs> right. from prison and stuff. Right. Exactly. Which, but-
1: when absinthe was outlawed there was actually a thriving absinthe moonshine industry going on in Switzerland yeah. and the and other areas uh, way up in the alps so heaven knows what they were using
0: yeah and that's where they were they were able to skirt the law that way absolutely you know and they'd ship it down in you know old
2: crates and yep. random places So it's hard to mention where we should go from here because we have lots of things to still talk about. We have uh, the reason why absinthe rose during the 1700s. We have the reason why, uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, you know, between like the 1800s and the 1900s, why it was banned. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, so I mean, let's 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 go through some of that. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay.
2: So so uh, during the 1870s, one of the reasons why I found that the Bloop, 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 bloop. Mm-hmm. Joe's just trying to get the last little bit of absinthe and sugar out of his glass. Yeah, just because we. Uh, during the 1870s, uh, there was a blight on, in the French vineyards. So they, it basically, what happened was, you know, you, you didn't have a whole lot of grapes. Right. Uh, when you don't have a whole lot of grapes, uh, you you can't make a whole lot of wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in, in in France, when you don't have wine, mm-hmm. you know, people have a tendency to get upset. And uh, you know what? I'm just go ahead to interrupt mm-hmm. you real quick with mm-hmm. the, the wine thing. Most of the wine grapes they
0: have now in in France come from California.
2: I've heard that as well, yeah. Yes,
0: because of the, I don't remember the name of the disease that hit the grapes Mm -hmm. in, in France, but they were able to grow them out in California. They were transported there,
2: so... They're well, technically people California when people started grapes. going out west, they took French, uh, yeah, the French, uh, the French vines, grapes, yeah, with yeah, them, and they they put the rhizomes in the ground, and they yes. made they made you know they made the, the they had clones basically, yes. So exactly. they took rhizomes, they put them in the ground, and they were had they had the vineyards out there, so mm-hmm. they were all French grapes. yeah. So yeah. then, um, and then in in France, the blight hit, mm-hmm. and then they took them back, and that's yeah, that's. Basically, what it, and yeah. it was clones. It was all clones, so it's basically all the same grapes. But exactly, but still, yeah, California saved, you know, the <laughs> French wine industry. Like that, yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was with the 1870s, and the, the blight hit. So consequently, your wine prices started going up because you didn't have as much around. Exactly. So yeah. you know, uh, so when that happened, people started switching to a few other things, and one of the things that was you know really loved, like we had discussed, was. Absinthe, mm-hmm. so it was a you know it was basically a substitute mm-hmm. for for wine. You still have that very sweet flavor, you know, but you have you have different you know you have different flavors like we had talked about. You know, you, you have your anise and you have your your menthol kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you, I don't think that that body that wine has as and much and yeah the tannins yeah absolutely. But it you know it it definitely can you know it's it it, it definitely can be a good substitute, yes, especially yeah. once you dilute it.
1: The Bohemian method, from what I understand, is you pour in some absinthe, then you have a your spoon with the sugar cube, and then you have a tumbler of water, and you light the you light the sugar cube on fire, dump it in the absinthe, Mm -hmm. so, and
2: so everything catches
1: everything catches, and then you dump the water in.
2: Okay, and it should put it out.
1: And that should put it out. Okay, it should. The, the key word is should. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's give it a shot. Should we, right. it's, uh, Let's use the coupler. Okay. This is a Swiss absinthe, and this is from the region where absinthe first came into being. It is not green. It is actually clear.
2: Oh. Ooh, right. nice. Are we going to go with the one sugar?
1: Yes. Actually, let me add just a little. A little oh, on, the, on yeah. the actual cube. Help it. Help it catch fire. Okay. And then. we ready to
2: go?
0: Let me
1: get some water. (laughs) Get some water, yeah.
2: Get the fire extinguisher out. (laughs) Right. This didn't go so well the last time. Mm hmm. Let me just move uh, anything. All right. Everybody ready? Yep. Yep, Let's go. Here we go. It's on. Oh, I can see it. It's a blue flame. Yep. All
1: right. I'm going to give hit
2: some lights. Hit the lights real quick. All right. Nice.
1: Here, ready to dump it in? All right. Yeah. And um, I don't know if it's lighting or no. The lights, Chris. It went out. It went out. All right. So
2: that's all right. But the whole point is, is that you, you're supposed to get a little bit of the uh, caramelization of yeah. the sugar. Okay. So that's yeah. that's the whole reason for doing it. And uh, do you? A little warm. I can't warm. imagine it would still be on fire though. No, no. But I'm just I'm just curious about the temperature. Yeah. So are we just sharing? Yeah, right. yeah let's it. find three straws. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we also have these handy dandy little <laughs> skull shots since we're all. Oh, just... oh, is that how we're doing it? Okay. Well, you know, however you want to do it. This well. is merely a tasting. And which one is this? Which one do we pick? This, this is, this is Coobler. Coobler. the Kubler. The Kubler. Yeah. To health. Ooh, that's a bit more astringent. Yes, it is. Yeah. No the color
2: is a lot brighter. Very has a, vi- yeah. A, it's it's like a blue blue milk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It has a yeah, a very this white is, louche to it. This is very Star Wars y, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. with the blue milk they would drink on uh
1: Yep. I gotta be honest with you, I
2: don't think we got as much of the caramelization as I would have liked.
1: Well a lot of a lot of the more classic absinthe is uh, um, actually kind of looked down their nose at that, that that's considered At that method, yeah. At that method. It's considered a modern gimmick. Yeah. Well, you know, but we had to try it. We had to try it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't do it because when I do absinthe, I have some nice old glasses. I have, and I'll mm-hmm. be damned if I'm going to be lighting them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one little story I did come across was um, one of the big manufacturers of absinthe back then was Pernot. Um, mm-hmm. They still make it, although it's not quite as good as That's what, I hear. what I've hear. What i heard. Yeah. I've never had it myself. It's quite expensive. It's like 80 bucks a bottle. I know. It's crazy. But um, in 19th century France, you, you ordered a pair, no, that was absinthe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was quite an anti-absinthe fervor in England. And English visitors would come over to America and be like, oh, we don't touch absinthe. And I, think, I believe it was Oscar Wilde was um, rather infamous for teaching English tourists to say, Garçon, un autre pernault, s'il vous
3: plaît.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So these people were guzzling absinthe, completely unaware of what they were doing. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) wow. What, I just because that, Oscar told him to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What a little devil that guy
2: is. <laughs> right. Um, I, I just, I, I, bl- I believe there was a, something else that I re- had read about. Uh, he was uh, talking about, I, I could find the quote if I really wanted to. However, because um, I have a computer in front of me, but I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to go do this from memory. But he had talked about drinking absinthe and, uh, you know, uh, basically stumbling out of the absinthe bar at, you know,. Uh, five six o'clock in the morning as the the lights are coming up and the, the the waiter was watering the floor and of course, you know Oscar Wilde was asking him why he had watered the floor. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, "Well, it's for the tulips." Now, please leave. It is time for you to go. So as he got up, he couldn't see the tulips, but he felt them beat against his shins—the yes. big, heavy bulbs, <laughs> the big, heavy tulip uh, flowers—beat against his shins as he walked out the door nice. and into the, the bright daylight. I just—I love that little story. And of course, I'm sure Oscar Wilde could tell it better. However, that was—that was from my brain.
1: Well there are lots of stories of absinthe being, you know, a, a great hallucinogen and as we said it, it could have been just because of some crap ingredients that were in the stuff mm-hmm. people were drinking back then. Right. I often wondered in my readings just what if people were just, you know, going into it expecting to have hallucinations and this was just a psychosomatic thing. And that's mm-hmm. I
0: thought that too because there's such this hype, and in the midst of that hype, who's to say that someone's not like, "Oh yeah, I, I see colors," and they're just trashed. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're just trashed, and they're just buying into the the, you know, the wonderment of
2: this you know so-called mind-altering drink. Okay, I propose this idea. I don't know how many of you out there in Curioso Land are drinkers. Um, I mean, you know, we aren't heavy drinkers, but we do drink from time to time and enjoy it. And
3: Speak when we do, you know, <laughs> and when we do, he says um, from the floor. <laughs> right. Not there yet, Mike. Not there.
2: <laughs> so you have, you know, you have different types of alcohol. And when you're drinking, say, beer, it's a different feeling drunk than when you're drinking, uh, you know, uh, whiskey or when you're drinking rum. I can feel the difference between. How drunk I am, and it they all feel different to me.
0: is it like are, are you saying like the difference between like brown liquors and clear liquors, where there's a myth that people who drink
2: dark or brown liquors tend to get violent? No. That's not what I'm saying at all. (laughs) I don't care for that myth whatsoever. It's the same kind of thing. Well, I guess so. But but what I'm saying is that when I'm drinking rum, I can feel like I'm rum drunk, and you know, and when I'm drinking whiskey, I can feel I can feel the difference between them. Okay, you're just saying that the, the styles or the feeling is different. For exactly different Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. To okay. me, it is. I, you know, or when you're drinking beer, you know, and it might be, you know, like Mike was saying, that it's psychosomatic and it's just mm-hmm. ha, like, this is how I act when I'm drinking beer. Well, and or this there's, is how I act when i but, but there's with, also the way your body processes the alcohol. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Where if you do something like beer, which tends to be, you know, typical five to seven, sometimes you can find a nine or a 12% alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot... It's
2: slower. It's a slower process well, it, than, say, an I actual agree. liquor. Yeah. And then wine kind of is in the middle. And for wine, with me, that's one of the other things. As soon as I drink wine, my face goes red immediately. Okay, it's one of the things that happens. It's like it, it's a physiological change that happens to me. My face goes red oh. whenever I drink wine. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, happen it doesn't happen with any other. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. doesn't happen with any other alcohol. Hmm. It's you know well maybe sour beer sometimes as well, okay. and that might have to do with like the uh, you know the the specific I believe it's what is it, But Tenomyces right. the specific yeast that's yeah. used to to brew it or oh, mm-hmm. brew it or, or or you know whatever you call it with wine. Um, because I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, uh, <laughs> when you wine it, you know. Uh, but you know, I, I'm saying it might be those specific yeasts or what they produce, you know, that's that's turning. But my face goes red as soon as I drink wine. I think a lot of people do. So I'm just saying that it's possible, whether it be the thujone or not, that there is something with absence that gives you a different kind of buzz or a buzz feeling yep. from the alcohol, and not just not just the fact that it's thujone.
0: Right. Well, I think it is especially the the ones that are, you know, classically made with the traditional recipes, just just having all of those herbs and and spices and stuff in there, it kind of does do stuff to your body. I mean, Mm -hmm. why do you think, you know, Indian food makes you feel a certain way versus a cheeseburger? All those herbs and spices, and they, they open up your pores, open up your nose, they make you feel better, they make you feel lighter, yeah. whatever, or make you sweat. There's a reason
2: why those spices do what they do. So what you're saying is that absinthe is like the liquor masala. <laughs> sure. Is that is that sure. what you're saying? I'm just saying it, it, it feels... I'm just trying to pick up what you're putting down, man, you th-
0: know? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, the, there's a reason why people used wormwood for medicinal reasons, mm-hmm. you know? whether it was for cramps for your period or to help with childbirth or to help your digestive,
2: whatever your ampersand. Yeah. Or your, your intero But those those.
0: are actually, you know, those are real medical uses and Mm -hmm. they worked, you know, uh, what is it called? Um, herbalist, yeah, home remedies. Yeah, herbalist, home mm-hmm. remedies. It, yeah, it's... not
2: home, not homeopathy. We already we discussed <laughs> we, that during. Right, that's yeah. mostly water. To
1: home, right, get me started on yeah. homeopathy. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what it, it
0: seems. It seems like that's where the the history of absinthe comes from. You know, the Greeks mm-hmm. and Romans used it for medicinal reasons, and the evolution of it has kind of continued, where it's still today used in in France and Italy
2: as a you know an appetite. Uh, stimulator. Yeah, well, Joe, that that might be true, and and there's lots of people that celebrate it, but mm-hmm. there are some people who you know who just uh, poo-pooed on absinthe, who doesn't don't want it uh, around, especially uh, during that time period. We had talked about uh, Oscar Wilde and the English, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and but there was specifically a, a gentleman by the name of Doctor Magnan, who set out to prove through scientific experiment that absinthe was the root of French society's ills <laughs> I read that from a web page yeah, okay so basically what he did was he conducted all kinds of experiments to try and find out what was wrong with apps and then and what was you know what was basically what was causing people to go crazy with right them. so you know it I personally think and I think we all do now that it's probably the fact that they were alcoholics.
0: Probably. Probably.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I'm just saying,
0: besides... Wild
2: wild alcoholics with, uh, you know, mental problems to begin with. Yes and
0: no, but I I think what we were talking about with the quality control, lots of alcohol, you're going to run into all these different problems and people who do not partake in, you know, excessive alcohol, especially when it comes to the sort of mystique of absinthe they're going to try finding
2: a reason why this stuff happens. I agree with you. All I'm saying is that when, you know, when your gears are broken to begin with, you know what I mean? You, you know you, know, you have a healthy <laughs> dose of the clap along with it. You know I mean, right. yeah. Yeah.
0: And you're slightly skewed
2: in your thoughts. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. You, yeah. you know you, that's that's when the machine can break, and you know <laughs> you you have some mental breakdown. Right. So, but basically, uh, this guy Doctor Magnin had done several different tests. He you know gave con- concentrated thujone uh, to uh, to rats. I believe well rats and mice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. They ingested high concentrations, and you know they died. Uh, he also gave a uh, dog vials of wormwood and watched it go crazy and bark at a brick for a half an hour. But I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, you, it's I've a dog. seen dogs do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're so, dogs, and they do that kind of stuff. So basically, and this is the entire root of why people think it gives hallucin- hallucinations. It's like
0: your your silly college roommate. You know, Oh, I got the dog high, dude. Look at him; he's barking at a brick. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. like. That's not
2: really scientific. I literally got into a fight about that one yeah. time. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that I mean, that's basically you know. Uh, there's also in 1905 a Swiss man, John Lafray. Mm-hmm. He murdered his wife and his two daughters in a drunken rage one night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and they said that uh, they said that this was because he was drinking absinthe. Right. And that was. This is the reason. This is basically the reason why it got banned was because of this case. Yeah. But uh, one of the things they didn't mention during the case what well, he, he was also drinking cognac and
1: brandy yes, and uh, uh, the amethyst. I have a yeah a. a Breakdown I have here is a creme de menthe, a cognac, six glasses of wine to help his lunch down, another glass of wine before leaving work, a cup of coffee with brandy in it, a liter of wine upon getting home, <laughs> and then another cup of coffee with Mark in it, which is a kind of a brandy. Yeah. So the guy was a raging alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, his liver was gone by... Mm. Two o'clock
2: in the afternoon. Exactly. So this the, this Lefey trial was the reason why absinthe was put in the spotlight. This was this was say the proverbial uh, you know piece of hay that broke the camel's back. Gotcha. You know. So uh, so uh, also combined with the evidence provi- provided by Dr. Magnin, you know, basically it was uh, banned. Uh, also the temperance movement, of yes, course, we all yes. know about that and prohibition, oh, yes. which eventually we'll get around to our prohibition episode. We'll discuss all that. So you had a lot of people that just didn't think you should drink at all. So, you know, of course, you know, banning it a piece at a time, you know. Yeah. Um, got it one piece at a time. You know, <laughs> so there, any there Johnny were, Cash fans out there. Yeah, there,
1: you know. there was quite a bit of, of, of slamming of absinthe going on. I mean, there were a number of novels and stories written that were totally about the evils of absinthe. Um, i read about one by an author named Marie Corelli, who was popular in Victorian times And Forgotten Today, apparently for good reason. Um, Apparently she was just not that good. But she wrote a novel called Wormwood, which was all about the destructive power of absinthe and was just very preachy and all that. And, of course, we try to read today and we're like, oh, my
2: God, this is awful.
0: But it
1: just fed into the public feeling at the time that this was an evil, evil thing.
0: Yeah, but you could say that about any sort of
2: alcohol at the time
0: A- A-
1: and people still yeah. do. and
2: what people did that's the whole temperance movement yeah that's the entire idea you know
1: it wasn't about temperance it was about banning <laughs> mm-hmm. real temperance is you know okay i'm not gonna have that next drink I'm gonna right drink, mm-hmm. right exactly you know, like that you know their temperance was you don't drink at all none yeah, yeah. yeah. you go home and drink water and sing hymns
2: <laughs> well hmm. and like we know you know abstinence doesn't really work so, I mean, people are going to find a way, they're going to make some moonshine, they're going to make pruno, they're going to make whatever they can make, you know, and, and, and they're going to try that. So, uh, eventually, uh, after about 100 years, absinthe has basically been reopened in every country. You can you can have it in almost every country.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, just the, some of the stuff, uh, some of the paranoia it tended up into modern times. Um there was a book called Absinthe, The Cocaine of the Nineteenth Century, which I started to read a while ago. A friend of mine had given that to me. It came out in like the early to mid nineties. And this was just so it was so anti Absinthe that it could have been written in a hundred years earlier. It was just all about how it was a hallucinogen, and it was addictive, and it destroyed your brain, and all this hmm. sort of stuff. I'm reading this like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had absinthe before. I'm not addicted. I mean, I'll go for weeks or months without touching this stuff. Right, you know? right. And I, hallucinations, no. And I start researching it, and it turns out this came out like a few years before all the other research was done that showed that no wait there's not as much thujone as we thought. <laughs> yeah. And to get that amount of thujone to affect you you'd have to drink so much absinthe you'd be dead from yeah, alcohol it's like poisoning. Eight, 8 bottles
0: or yeah, something nine so, bottles of, you know, full absinthe at 110 so, proof.
1: Yeah, so it was just ridiculous and it was based on outdated research. Yeah. And I threw it in the trash can.
2: <laughs> and that's what you do with
1: outdated research. Uh, exactly.
2: Yeah, I have uh, here a study that uh, it's a absinthe from 1915. And it was uh, a, also uh, a modern absinthe produced uh, from uh, 1988. And they were basically testing the absinthe level, levels with um, a gas spectrometer. You're talking like you have alcohols with like, Seventy percent alcohol, or hundred and forty proof, or between like eighty to hundred proof are are normal like whiskeys and vodkas. So you have a much higher alcohol content, but your your thujone level is really the same as the stuff that two thousand and four, when its absence started coming back. Mm-hmm. They're the same levels. So you, right. you know you don't you, you don't have any more thujone well, back then, even though people say that that's that was what was hallucinogenic about it. Right, and the,
0: well, at least here in the U.S., the Food and Drug Administration pretty much, they consider thijone as a very minor psychoactive chemical in the U.S., uh, similar to chocolate, caffeine, and those substances are regulated by the FDA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and they're allowed in other foods and, and products here in the U.S.
2: Well, you're going to eat it, if you're going to have it if you eat sage.
0: exactly. Exactly. Know? Uh, as of 2007, the regulations on the sale and possession of absinthe in the U.S. were relaxed, with several foreign and domestic brands approved by dist- with distribution, uh, American absinthe distilleries, and yada yada yada. So, you're 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 saying from like the 60s and 70s, you could still find it with loopholes in mm-hmm. in the laws. By 1990s, the ban was pretty much released, so you can get one or two little things in, but they were still strictly regulated with the zone levels.
2: And I, I've also read a lot about people who, you know, went over to Europe and they would bring two, and, three bottles back. And that, they, exactly. you know, unless you had a very, very strict customs agent, mm-hmm. you know, he was going to let you have those. Right.
0: But by the year 2000, it was pretty open. And then they have been relaxing. It's it. kind of
2: been levels of it since it was exactly. like one in two thousand four, another in two thousand seven, and really yeah. now, like it's, it's almost like the floodgates are kind of open. Yes, uh,
0: there still is regulation where you can only have X amount. I think the standard is ten milligrams per, uh, you know, million per parts per million or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's very insignificant. Mm-hmm. You know, the the actual amount of thujone you're going to get. Well, I also want to mention like eating a. A muffin or something yeah. with fennel or star in it. You're going to get a little bit of that in there, yeah. but it's not going to make you see... It's like the opium
2: in a poppy seed bagel.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: I also wanted to mention that there's, you know, there's different color absinthe. So you you you, you can not only have the green, but there's certain people that they don't necessarily dye it red, but they can use botanicals to dye it red. They mm-hmm. can, you know, but they, some people just literally do dye it red. Uh, you also have uh, some blue absinthe that I've seen come out of Switzerland. Uh, you know, we, we, I mean, I think people have used like lavender and things like that in it before yeah. to give it that blue tint. I've uh, I've also seen a few Orange absence, but one of uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is when you have that really bright red absent that I've seen. I saw one called Rogue and a few others. You you know some of these dyes that they use to turn it that bright red.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know they might be approved you know in another country or you know somewhere else, but when, right. you know Czechoslovakia. But when they're or the Czech Republic, and then when they're brought over here, mm-hmm. they're you know that red dye is not allowed.
0: Well, it's like that. Um, or not
2: approved by the FDA. So, it's like that
0: iron soda we had. Iron Ur- 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 brew. brew. Yeah. Yeah. One of the chemicals in that is
2: highly carcinogenic. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's okay over there. Yeah. Here, it's not. Well, they, I bought it in an American grocery no, store. No, no, no but so, I'm saying production know, wise. Yeah, pr- production. It's production wise, yeah. you can sell it here. Yeah. Yeah, they don't care. But in production of a soda like that,
2: you can't have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's gross anyway, so that's (laughs) our. It is pretty gross. I mean, it went okay, I guess, with the haggis, but you know, you know. Uh, uh. So, my act, the scarred and dangerous thrill show, I'm only one half of. The other half is Dangerous D. He's currently living in California, and he's gonna call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on The Curiosity.
3: Now, all dangers considered, a moment with dangerous tea.
2: The first time I tried absinthe, I was with Chris Scarborough at the Sideshow Gathering in Wilkes Bar, PA, and I was very excited to try it because I love to drink. And I love the taste of black licorice, like some kind of weird old man. Before we went down to the convention floor one night, we were in our hotel room and Chris was preparing the beverage. We quickly drank a full glass each and left the room shortly after. Minutes later, we were in the elevator and I was feeling very relaxed, warm, and super fuzzy. The next thing I know, I pissed myself. And I didn't even realize I did so until I felt a warm liquid running down my leg. I had no control over my bladder. Good absinthe is good fun. Booyakasha. All
1: right, what's the next drink, fellas? Well, we're down to either the lucid or the absinthe. Well, all right,
2: so let's... Before we really start picking one, oh, let's decide what method we're going to do. Okay, so yes. we've, we have tried the, uh, the traditional drip method. Right. Okay. Um, we have tried the bohemian method mm-hmm. where, we, where we light it on fire. We've tried it uh, the, the, having it neat. So we have the glass and the glass method. It's, okay. it, I think it's very similar to the drip method. But basically, you, you take your glass. All right. Hold on, let me get this. And then you just sit that
1: right inside. It's a very pleasant light green. Oh, and this is the this is this is actually Absinthe. The absinthe, which is ab, Absinthe refined. It has a different kind of wormwood in it. Yes. It's, it's actually
2: so it's not grand wormwood.
1: No. No. No, it's not. It is This was legal hard... when
0: this was not. Ah, yes. The absentee is the first legal recipe in the US from nineteen twelve. Oh, really? Because and the loophole is, is they used Artemisa abortinoma, which is baby wormwood.
2: No. There is so it's not thr- grand wormwood. There is okay. thujone
0: in it. It is a very mild amount of thujone, mm-hmm. but apparently it is also a very
2: light bitter flavor. So what we're trying here with the absinthe is uh, basically the glass-in-the-glass glass method. So you put a small shot glass in it, and then basically you let the water overflow the the shot glass and into your normal glass.
1: You see it looshing up very prettily. Yeah,
2: it does loosh up very pretty. Now, I think we're going to try this Mike's way, and uh, without any kind of
3: without any kind of sugar this time we're
2: just gonna give it a shot
1: how much do we need I don't know
2: what do you say think you're about good there might be I think we're about good there and then when you're done just get your shot glass out and uh, let's give that a try
1: you can always you can really smell the Addis in this yeah
2: oh it's, it's very strong well to health sante.
1: hmm
3: it's Ooh. not as bitter no. It's and
0: that's this is what I'm saying. There's a lot of uh, star anise, peppermint, angelica, and a bunch of other classic herbs and spices. Mm-hmm. But because they use the the baby
2: wormwood, yeah, it's not as bitter. So it's a, but there's, it's a wormwood that's related to the grand wormwood, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's different,
1: it's in the same family. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what sold me on not using so much sugar. This is something that really I don't think requires a lot no, of sugar. No, it doesn't.
0: No, this is it's very easy to drink. Uh, you know a lot of this, um, but it's 110 proof, and the <laughs> one of the things that I found was from the Wormwood Society, WormwoodSociety.org, says it's not an authentic absinthe because they use the baby wormwood, mm-hmm. where authentic traditional absinthe only uses the grand. Okay. So, but also according to barnivore.com, the absentee Uh, Is vegan friendly.
2: Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how it wouldn't be vegan (laughs) friendly, but
0: apparently there are some
2: that have. Well, apparently in the Lucid, there's, you know, some cats cats in there. So, you (laughs) know. (laughs) (laughs) Meow. Specifically, it's wormwood that gives it the flavor, even though we say it has an Anise flavor. It's not Anise in there, right? No, it's a nephew. (laughs) McCain <laughs> uh, pulled me off stage God damn you Joe <laughs> Right I mean they don't use anise mm-hmm. They do use anise yeah, so, so that's I, what
1: yeah. yeah a lot of other anise flavored liquors Rose to popularity After this was banned
3: mm-hmm.
1: It's really things Anisette and other things like that Really kind of owe their popularity To the banning of absinthe so, the
2: anisette would be used in cocktails and things like that instead of absinthe, yeah. like they do now. So, they would yeah. use that because it was actually still legal. And it still falls when
0: that aperitif ap- aperative, aperative umbrella says so the pretentious little estee, <laughs> Right, oh. exactly. <laughs> uh, for that appetite stimulator, mm-hmm. because the, the bitter you know, star anise and that licorice flavor, it, it's all in that same realm. Mm-hmm. So when this got banned and everybody was doing hush hush and underground, people were still making it. But the, what you know ended up coming out of that
2: were all these other drinks. You know how you know you have certain flavors when you say, "Oh, it's anise flavored." Some people don't know what anise is, right? Uh, and you say, "Oh, well, licorice." You know when you're mm-hmm. trying to describe something because because licorice fennel. anise has a very same, similar flavor. Fennel. There's mm-hmm. also star anise. Right. And what I think is is amazing about each and every one of these, none of these are the same family. Mm-hmm. Licorice, anise, fennel, and star anise are from completely different families, yet they all have the exa- exact same um, profile, flavor profile. Okay. So I just thought that was a neat thing to to mention.
3: Yeah.
2: You know uh, the the star anise, uh, it, it it's ba- basically from the inside of a fruit. Mm-hmm. You have uh, fennel, which are actual seeds, uh, and then you have um, anise that comes from uh, roots and other things and then you have licorice which can be used the the entire plant so right. I just thought it was very neat you know to, to mention you know mm-hmm. you you have all those same flavors well like I was telling with with the um,
0: the absinthium uh, there are literally hundreds within that family because mm-hmm. it, it falls within the the Daisy family yeah so all of those will have that sort of thrajoni possible licorice pepperminty flavor mm-hmm. it just depends on what which area of the the family tree you go to Marilyn Manson what <laughs> yeah <Duh>. come on <laughs> yeah really yeah famous uh, absinthe drinker actually has his own brand does he really yeah hmm. <laughs> it's called man it's called Manson. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I mean, he's a punny guy, but oh, I will that's... avoid that like the plague. Yeah. Um, uniquely American brand of absinthe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Started his own brand in 2008. And Manson, the Marilyn Manson absinthe, won the gold medal at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition 2008. So it nice. actually sounds pretty good. Like like he it, actually did his homework. Yeah, he worked on it. Yeah. yeah. He worked on it. He paid a guy. Well, it's like Maynard Keenan from, uh, Maynard James Keenan from Tool. He does wine, right? He has his own wine vineyard. Yeah, he has he a just, vineyard. He loves it. Makes really decent wine. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: It's like Zane Lamprey. <laughs> exactly. You're like, who? I know <laughs> so who he is. You know who he yeah, is. Yeah. Zane has
0: his own rum. You've got people like Ernest Hemingway. Were famous absinthe drinkers and partakers.
2: Yeah, that he was. Uh, I believe he got most of his stash when it was banned. From, <laughs> most of his stash. Well, he yeah, he yeah. He was a big absinthe drinker. And yeah. So he got and uh, oh, in fact, one of the uh, one of the things that I believe he well he talks about during one of his books, but also his favorite drink mm. was uh, was a cocktail called a Death in the Afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one and a half ounces of absinthe. And you take four and a half ounces of chilled champagne. Champagne? Uh huh. Pour it in, and that is the death in the after- afternoon. You put it in a champagne flute. Oh, but what I was saying was he got most of his absinthe stash from Cuba mm. when it was mm-hmm. banned here in the US because he would go down there a lot for, you know, marlin fishing. Right. Uh, and then eventually he wound up buying a house there. But you've got people throughout the years, uh,
0: Alfred Jerry. Uh, Guy de de mon poisson. Guy de mon poisson. Yeah, that's what I said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something the fish. (laughs) Oh, no, it's poisson. (laughs) Uh, Arthur Rimbaud. 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 Mike, you just say all the French words. (laughs) I forget my French. Uh, Charles Cross. Tons and tons and tons of people, but... One, I think the one that people really remember besides Oscar Wilde is Van Gogh. That's like the go-to, mm. the oh, Van, the, the oh. van Gogh-to, when you're talking about absinthe. Mm-hmm. And his love affair with absinthe is considered to be, you know, the biggest, the most pronounced. Uh, it's rumored that... Not only did Van Gogh enjoy absence to the extreme, but that he also devoured the oils and the turpentines used in his paintings.
2: So uh, one of the things that I had read about Van Gogh is that the turpentine, Mm -hmm. uh, he had a tendency to drink as well. Yeah. So, uh, and what's funny about that is that Thujon is actually a turpin, from what I understand. So it can actually help Take paint off, yeah. uh, which I think is is pretty amazing. So mm-hmm. he just was devouring it all. He was swallowing it all. Exactly. Which might have something to do with the fact that he kind of started to going into uh, some mental depravity, right? And form. that's oh. that's mm-hmm. a lot
0: of the speculation about the odd lighting effects in Van Gogh's work. Sometimes you're pre- attributed to
1: those wonderful artists. He <laughs> he was a train wreck.
3: <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, and most really wonderful artists who. Kind of push the limits of their perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Time, they're a little bit nuts, yeah. You know, and that that was Van Gogh. One of Van Gogh's
2: many vices was absinthe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pablo Picasso as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, during his so-called blue period, he uh, portrayed women drinking absinthe. Painted in 1901, uh, showed that's my favorite period that he did. His blue period, yeah,
0: It is the like the best period. I saw um down in DC there was a, a museum that had the, the uh, one of his exhibits and the the guitar player mm-hmm. the blue i
3: ah,
2: love that <laughs> one of my favorites uh, picasso's earliest cubist works were inspired by absinthe one bottle one paneau and one glass painted in 1912 uh, and that was um, you know based on Pano, and we had already kind of discussed yeah. that that being the the largest absinthe brand of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Alfred Jarry, who is a um, surrealist writer um, from the late 19th and early 20th century, he was a great fan of absinthe. He was this short little guy who was known for taking a lobster for a walk on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those... For real or in like for real absinthe? a real live lobster.
0: Oh, okay. So it wasn't like some... Out- Absinthe induced like I'm taking my lobster for a walk there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. No, he he did that when he was sober. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean this guy was he wrote a um, a play called Ubu Wah, which is UBU that space R O I. If you want ever want to look it up, called Ubu the King. And he um as well not one person said he sought to live in a waking dream. He was just one of those people who just lived as weird as he could possibly be. Wow. Yeah, he
2: sounds like my kind of guy. I'm yeah. going to have to start looking him up. Yeah, it's just push, of pushing the boundaries
0: of, of you know, your, uh, your culture of the time.
2: Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. I need a lobster now. I, I really want to walk you, a lobster. Okay. I really can want to try that. How much, you know, how long can
0: you keep them out of the tank? Well, did you ever see the Simpsons episode where no. Homer gets the, the lobster and he's, he's going to eat it, mm-hmm. but instead he falls in love with it and treats it as a pet? No. And his name was what? Pinchy? Pinchy, yes. Yeah. I remember it. <laughs> and he, he feeds him for like months or whatever and he gets all big and fat. And one day he just decides to cook him. Oh, he and, and he eats it anyway. And he's eating it with butter. He's like,
1: "Pinchy would have loved this. I miss you so much, Pinchy." That's the butter. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, in the in the comic strip Lio, um, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen it, um, this kid has a pet lobster named mm-hmm. mittens. <laughs> <laughs> he also has a pet squid. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's but I mean, early on in the strip's history, he. The, fa- the kid's father buys a lobster and goes to cook it. And he's like, No, don't cook it. Well, he doesn't actually say, he never says anything in the, in the strip, but he ends up adopting the lobster and <laughs> builds a little lobster house in the back and, with, and puts little boxing gloves on his talons so he doesn't pinch everyone and calls him <laughs> Mittens. Uh, lobster named Mittens.
2: Well, I think we found our lobster for the day. Uh, uh,
1: <sighs> mm-hmm.
2: I, who needs a drink? I, I've got to say, uh, I've been dying to have this, uh, give this a shot. So we're going to try the Sazerac next. I like the fact that we're splitting most of our cocktails so that we can actually drive home at the end of the night. Uh, of course, we have, uh, you know, all these nuts and, uh, and crackers and stuff to help soak up all the, all the absinthe that we're drinking. However, I have now choked on nuts three times. So I, three, three times I've had nuts in the back of my throat. And it's not very good. What are we making here, Mike?
1: We are going to make a Sazerac, which is one of the more familiar absinthe cocktails. Um, we start with five dashes of Peychaud's Bitters. You, you can count out loud. We're okay with that. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. All <laughs> right. And you put in two sugar cubes. Be careful not to drop them. And then kind of mush and muddle them around. Usually do this in an old fashioned glass. And then we add some rye whiskey.
2: Whiskey's involved. Whiskey's yeah, involved. I, you know, as we all know, I am not the largest whiskey fan. However, I've always wanted to try the Sazerac, uh, so I want to give it a shot. I believe that we also mentioned during our Applejack episode making an Applejack Sazerac. and uh, yes, we did. I'm I'm going to try that next time. Now that I have some absin- absinthe on hand, mm-hmm. I'm going to try the Applejack. Uh, the Applejack. I'll, let, I'll let everybody know how it is. Uh, on the on the website.
1: Yeah, this is the granddaddy of absinthe cocktails, according to my book. A pharmacist named Antoine Pechode, of Peychoud's Bitters was the first to come up with it. This is a very New Orleans drink.
2: Well, you have the rye whiskey, which is yeah. which is very Southern.
1: Yep. You know. And then you fish out the ice and just toss that aside. Put it. In oh, oven. it's nice and cold now, oh, yeah. so. Yeah, then you do this out. And then what you do is you take just a little bit of absinthe. And we're using the we're using Lucid. Lucid, which is a French absinthe. This is the first absinthe that was available in the US when it became legal. And then you put in just like a half ounce and you swirl that all around. Really the idea is to swirl around the inside of the glass. And sometimes you pour it out. I'm not going to. <laughs> and do you have a Sazerac. I'm excited
2: and I like the fact that it's got uh, it's got extra absinthe in it because this is the absinthe episode. Now, I think yeah, we're going to give it we're going to just put it into the shot glasses here to give that a try because we're going to split it. Ooh. Really get the bitters, a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, I think you made whiskey taste good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's almost cinnamony. You taste this that? The, it's like a little. I s- think that's from the bitters. Yeah,
2: but that's a, that's very pleasant.
1: Yeah, there's a. That reason was this is a
2: Classic cocktail. Mm, that is very good. I actually, yeah, no, I really just enjoyed some whiskey, and I I taste the whiskey <laughs> is the thing. I actually taste the whiskey. But it's not abhorrent to me, which Mm. is how whiskey normally is. (laughs) Yeah. I have found out how to make my whiskey delicious, and that is add uh, absinthe and bitters and, uh, uh, you know, two gigantic cubes of sugar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and there's a variation on this that I made once. I came across, I have a cocktail book at home called The um, Gentleman's Companion.
0: That's the one I have. Oh, and
1: the Furpo's Balloon, have you had that? No, I haven't had it yet. Which is... One ounce each rye whiskey, absinthe, and sweet vermouth. Pour in a shaker with two dashes of orange bitters and two teaspoons of egg white. What? Yes. Shake vigorously <laughs> over ice, then pour in a wide-mouth champagne glass and serve. And, I mean, here's a photo from my own blog. That, oh, uh, interesting. It doesn't look very appetizing, but to be honest i had two of those and i had a ring hangover the next morning <laughs> wow. even with the added protein yeah i mean this is a this is a drink from a club called furpos which was in calcutta mm-hmm. which is where all the the Westerners who were in Calcutta hung out. And this guy came up with it, and he called it the Furpo's Balloon, because according to him, five of those would have you floating up like a balloon. Oh, (laughs)
2: nice, nice. All right, so we had mentioned that the the Sazerac was a very New Orleans cocktail. Mm -hmm. And one of the places where it was popularized was at the old Absinthe house. Mm-hmm.
1: house, the old Absinthe House, Joe. I think yeah.
2: he's had too much absinthe. I, I, it was the Sazerac. It was the. It's the, just the whiskey. The whiskey right. messes my tongue all up. Mm-hmm. So it, it was. It was very popularized at uh, at in the French Quarter at the old Absinthe house. house. I just did it again. <laughs> you know what? Just leave it in. We'll mm-hmm. keep on rolling. So basically. Um, at the old absent house, it was uh, I got that one right. stop laughing. Um, it used to be Alexi's coffee house. It was a coffee house for a while and then eventually it was taken over uh, by some people who I could read their names. No, it was um, uh, it was run by the nephews of Sonora Jean Codella. Uh, the coffee house was later rechristened the Absinthe Room when a mixologist, uh, Catiano Ferrier, who used to be the he used to be um, he, in the opera house, mm-hmm. the French Opera House, he used to run the bar downstairs. Okay. They found him. Uh, he he you know became a part of the old Absinthe Absinthe House, and uh, they decided to you know rename it that. And he came up with the Absinthe. Absinthe house frappe in eighteen seventy four. Now that was when I had I had mentioned that you you take absinthe, Mm
3: -hmm. you take
2: about a quarter absinthe to four parts absinthe. You mix those up with ice and you pour them into a glass and that's your that's your absinthe frappe. Right. So uh, while I'm talking, Joe I think is making another absinthe lucid cocktail, Mm -hmm. giving it a shot during the the traditional uh, method. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's I'm just, okay. I'm just mentioning it because I'm excited to have a little more.
0: I'm just a little thirsty. Yeah. So, uh, and the lucid is—it's already sort of a, a light, uh, all, all by itself. It's a
2: light milky color. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice. It is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I do like it. And you know, all of these have varying degrees of clear or green. You know, kind of uh-huh. kind of looks. So what was the Kubler? It was very very clear yes. until you, until it looshed. Right. So, uh, and then it kind of had almost like a blue tint to it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. So that's okay. Back to the uh, old absinthe (laughs) house. Right. Yeah. Let me try and get all of those, all of those out straight, all of the consonants. Um, uh, Basically, uh, they had to move during prohibition. The prohibition enforcers had nailed the door shut and were not allowing them to open And that the the next day they were going to set upon the place and break everything. They were gonna. They had uh, marble countertops. They had marble absinthe drippers, like we have a glass one here. That'd be gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, they had all these. They took all the paintings off the walls. They took everything out of the entire place and moved it uh, a few blocks away Mm -hmm. uh, on Bourbon Street into a warehouse where they continued to run a speakeasy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> out of the place, of a few course. blocks away, which was called the Old Absent House House Bar. So they changed the name a little bit, but it was it was basically speakeasy where they you know they they continue to sell it, but not on the premises. Right. And then eventually, back in 2007, they I'm sorry, 2004, they moved it back to the uh, to the same bar that it originally was and it, back in its home. And that was uh, and it, it's been there ever since. And mm-hmm. now they've changed the name a little bit. And part of the reason why was that at one point, they changed the name to Jean Lafayette's Old Absent House. Now, Jean Lafayette was a French pirate that uh, was frequently, he was frequently <laughs> in the harbor, uh, you know, capturing ships and that sort of thing. Like they do. Now, Andrew Pirate. Jackson, during the Battle of 1812, okay, mm-hmm. that's the one that happened after the Revolutionary War, when the Revolutionary War never really ended because uh, England was still kind of pissed off at us. Right. They, they just kind of continued to do what they were doing, um, you know, by stealing our ships and breaking them and, you know, basically sinking them, doing different things to us. Um, uh, we continued to, to be at war with England and... Uh, Basically, Andrew Jackson went down there to try and stop them, mm-hmm. and he didn't have enough of a navy. So he got John Lafayette. They got together in the second floor of the old Absinthe House and uh, decided that Jean Lafayette was going to be a part of the navy for that battle. And he helped fight against the British and uh, basically winning, winning the War of 1812. So that it was planned there. Uh, So that's why they've named it uh, Jean Lafayette's Old Absinthe House. So what I have here... Ooh. It even has a a little label strip topper thing. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure that it's all closed. So you guys know that I haven't opened this before. And this is uh, 6.6% alcohol. This is La Stout Ghost Town. This is uh, Absinthe... Herbs and roots. Uh, this it was used to, to make this. So we're gonna we're gonna split this uh, and and give it a try.
1: I have never had. I've never even heard of absinthe beer before.
2: Yeah, which is why I was very excited. I found it in Canada when I was up there, and I brought it back uh, across the border.
1: It doesn't even look green. It just looks like a stout. Yeah, yeah it looks like a stout. very much yeah. looks like
2: a stout. Just smelling it first, I definitely get very stouty. You know that kind of caramel sort of like.
1: It tastes like coffee
2: smells well you're gonna have you're definitely gonna have coffee with a stout you're gonna have that yeah, yeah. kind of you know taste to it but i i do smell the botanicals in there
0: yeah Very... I, I
2: definitely i taste botanicals and yeah. like kind of in the bubbles almost
0: no i know there are beers that are brewed in absinthe casks mm-hmm. or not brewed but that are uh stored an absinthe cast.
2: Yeah, they they have they sit it to rest. Exactly. Yeah. So they it, rest
0: it. Hopefully, it in some of the, the the, you know, elements of the absinthe into the beer. There are some that are actually just brewed with wormwood, mm-hmm. not absinthe, just wormwood. Uh, there's a company called Bavaria, which does a lot of really good beers, but they have one. It's called an eight point
2: six, mm-hmm. and it is made with. It's 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 called 8.6. Yep. That's the name of it. It's called Bavaria. It's not the 8. alcohol 6. by volume.
0: No, it's called Bavaria 8.6 and it is made with absinthe. Really? Yeah. So and it's I I've looked <laughs> in DC, I've looked up here in Baltimore and surrounding areas. Very hard to find. I think it's really
2: good. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have definitely the dark caramel, you know, multi kind of stuff, but I think at the very end I think the finish has i don't, I don't know it's like the bubbles it's like the finish has the the kind of absent botanicals do you get that at all a little bit oh yeah,
0: yeah. on the the back the back end yes I yeah
2: do. yeah it, it kind of finishes with that it, it's it um I, I taste it on the end but in in the beginning you have that very multi character to it
0: yeah and this is a six point six percent alcohol
2: beer not bad yeah stout um, the vampire the stout <laughs> <Right. laughs> I think that's kind of funny um Considering we're, we're discussing, you know, uh, New Orleans and everything, you know, mm-hmm. old absinthe ball. Yeah.
1: Well, fans of modern vampire fiction are so, oh, the absinthe, because it's so decadent, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think like we had discussed too, you know, you have like the mystique with it, with it being banned. And, oh. you know, you, you just have all
1: that. Everyone has to have the forbidden fruit. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You, know? you got to touch it.
2: I, I remember, you know, growing up and, you know, being in my, my late teen years, early 20s, and, and, and talking about absinthe and thinking that, You know, maybe it had some kind of hallucinogenic properties and that's why it was banned. I remember hearing that. I mean, I never read the the book that Mike was talking about. But One
0: of my first ever experiences, I've had absinthe. Mm -hmm. When I hit 21, even before I was 21, I've I've been drinking. Um, But in my mid-20s, my first real experience with absinthe was that's pretty much what I thought. I thought this has hallucinogenic properties and if I drink too much of it, I might see stuff, like I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, tripping or on acid. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't really care at the time, so I drank and drank and drank. I ended up in the backseat of somebody's car, driving down a dirt road somewhere in the country, on the Eastern Shore, shooting bottle rockets off at 70 miles an hour laughing hysterically out the windows out the wind and there's n- nothing around
2: this yeah. is delano you know delano well, there's there's there i mean there are some you know cows i mean true you know, there are cows there's some two cow towns out there it was
0: a sort of euphoric feeling mm-hmm. there was a bit of surrealist like you know separation where am
2: i really here am i really doing this stupid stuff <laughs> you know well, was it because you were extra drunk, or was I, it? Do I you see, think you had something going on? I don't know. Let, well, let's talk about it because I don't know. I, you know I've done a lot of research and everything, and and most of the research tells me no, none of that is true. Right. There are no halluc- hallucinogenic properties. However, like I was talking before about different types of liquor giving you different types of buzz, mm. you know, in, in your body, the way your brain feels. Right. I'm just saying, I have had absinthe a few times. And the first time I really tried it, I had bought the Lafayette, like we started off with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had bought it with my wife. We both drank two glasses of it each. By the time I was done with that second glass, something was happening to my body. Not Not terrible or anything. And maybe it's just the fact that I don't drink liquor very often. Mm-hmm. But I could tell I felt like my entire body had a buzz not just my mind it wasn't like my tongue was just going like i normally do when i drink beer right. something different was was there and it might just be because it's a different type of alcohol that i'm used to yeah. but i definitely felt something you know okay. what i mean i am I'm, I'm not uh, i'm not saying that you know the reason is because of the thujone or not or anything i'm just saying it felt different than other types of alcohol
0: right mike did you, what was your first experience with with absinthe
1: my first experience it was actually with a bottle of um, Lucid, and I, I had Absent before mm-hmm. that. I I found all right, and my experiences with it, I don't think were ever all that truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would sometimes before going to a burlesque show or something would have a glass of absinthe as I was getting ready Mm. and would sometimes find myself being a lot more out there. More boisterous. More boisterous, all that, until I finally learned to just be that way when I was sober. Right. And sometimes I would just get in a strange mood, but then again, you know, I would do a lot of things where I would get into strange moods and, I could be sitting there drinking absinthe and be in a completely strange mood, but I don't know if it was the absinthe or the fact that I just had a Twin Peaks marathon. Or that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, it's coming back. Yeah. Well, oh, thank man. you. <laughs> yeah. <So> I've, <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, it is one of those things that I'm not sure if I have to be in a certain mood yeah. to do absinthe. And once I get into that mood, even if I don't. Even even if I only have one glass, anything could happen because I'm just in that mood. Right, right. You know, I could be sitting there drinking absinthe and being sit, sitting in the bathtub reading French decadent poetry out loud and frightening <laughs> the neighbors. Right. And... You know, because I do that when I'm sober, <laughs> that's the kind of person I am. But uh, t- to me, a lot of it is what you go into it with. If, if you I think go, it's a, yeah, it's a mindset. It's, it's, you have to. If you have the – what the mindset is when you're going into it, I think, dictates your experience.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's with any
1: – With any uh, alcohol.
0: Yeah. Any alcohol. And I, I mean, I, I'm not a big proponent of drugs, but anything that can – any kind of impaired experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Depending on on the way you go in, your mood, your your feelings, like it's gonna it relaxes dictate. the
1: inhibitions and anything can happen. There's a story about absinthe um, that involves absinthe, but. Um... Well, just well it. it's up to you what <laughs> yeah, you want to tell. Yeah, it. yeah, it's up to you. We're right? all ears. You know? <laughs> yeah, you well, can I did, tell it, and we can still cut it. It's. Yeah, you know I had a, I had a dinner party where I, it was supposed to be a civilized dinner party, where um, I had some friends over for dinner. I will not say who. And <laughs> we um, we sat around my table. We had I fixed a very nice dinner. We had a bottle of wine with dinner. We had a bottle of champagne with dessert. We did a round of strega, which is an Italian liqueur. Then we did a round of absinthe, and then I was zipping up my pants and saying, "We never closed the curtains." <laughs> <laughs> I
3: like
1: that.
0: I mean, hey, it happens. It happens. Well, it, it happens. sounds like a fun night to me. When I, when I picked this little beauty up, the, the the water dripper, the the girl that helped me, you know, look around, uh, she's like. Any special reason you want this thing? And I was like, oh, absinthe party for my podcast. And she's like, oh, I haven't had an absinthe in so long. And I was this close. This well, close to saying. On out. Well, come on. <laughs> well, come on. You know? But a, it might have been so the So here's same the real question, Mike, it's I Joe. may have been zipping up my pants going, crap, I didn't close here's the, the real, Here's
2: the real question, Joe. Did you get her number? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I know where she works. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. There's always a second chance. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. It's what you, it's your mindset when you go into it. Yeah. And if you're feeling frisky, stuff can result. If you're feeling morbose, you know, stuff can result, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it can take you anywhere that you're already headed down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like like I said, you know, with my experience, I don't know whether it was just the fact that it was two glasses of very... Strong liquor, back <laughs> yeah. to back, you know. But it was it was fun, and I like the ritual. That's part of it is the fact that it has a, a ritual.
1: R- the ritual is a big part of the appeal for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sending putting up that getting the fancy spoon. People will scour the internet yeah. looking for nice spoons. The vintage ones are amazing looking, yeah. and they are you know having the nice glass getting the right sugar cubes cuz you can order special sugar cubes that come in nice little shapes i've right. seen you know i've
2: yeah. seen specific apps yeah. in the sugar cubes as well, yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. and, and I, they they look like those little mints that people leave on your pillows if you go to a fancy hotel yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i was researching the 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 drippers and they have a
0: fancy french name mm-hmm. go ahead and say it mike cuz you know what it is <laughs> no I don't you don't know what it is no, don't know it's it all like bussor or something like that boy yeah Broiler. Broiler. See, I say it like um, like Italian or something. Broiler. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a, gra- it's it's a, a glass. a glass
1: broilers. Isn't that what it is? No, anyway, so B R O U I L L E R S. B- I'm probably Bo- butchered there's an
0: L in there, so it'd be Boilet.
1: Boy, well, two L, so it's Boilet. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. Anyway, it's a broulers. Bueller's. <laughs> Bueller. <a> Boiler. Bueller. <laughs> I was researching these these water drippers, the Boilet, and yeah. even the cheapest one is about 200 bucks mm-hmm. for an amp, abs- like a, a decent quality app. and and you're mm-hmm. talking some of the the. Um, antique ones 1000 2000 3000 10000 for some of these things. That's insane. Yeah. I mean and you you've got like two to four nozzles depending on, you know, what you're doing, but I'd rather spend like 40 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, but it does yeah, the it's, same it's job. the same
1: the, the mystique of the ritual is what draws a lot of people. They like having a ritual with their drink. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, cuz here in America, you know, you were to drink oh yeah martini you know and they just bring it to you you know you and pop you, open a beer or something like that. Yeah. Having a nice little ritual makes it an event. Yeah. It makes it special. Mm-hmm. It makes you you have time to like gaze at your 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 partner and wink at them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, you know, a little it can be a little naughty. It can be a little sinful. Well it's and, it's like having a basic you know a baked Alaska table
0: side uh-huh. versus someone just bringing out you know a chunk of baked Alaska. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, exactly Two different things. Yeah, uh, having you know a guy make your Caesar salad tableside mm-hmm. in front of you. Yep.
2: Versus, there, you, go. Uh, you know, I, this Take might completely be off topic, uh, but uh, there's a Mexican place up the road from me where the guy makes my guacamole tableside, and I love it. <gasps> I absolutely love it. He takes. That the, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I. You know what? I'm gonna ask him next time. I'm gonna bring my own. But Mike's right. It's and part, a little it's, test. It's tube. part of the show. It's part of the the experience. You well, know? you know, and like you were talking about with the br- brouillet, br- the brouillers.
1: The broiler, Yeah, the broilers. Yeah. <laughs> the broilers. yeah. Uh,
2: you know, I don't think you necessarily need a dripper. I mean, right here in my hands, I have a, it's just one of those little oil, you know, the, a little oil decanter. Yes, but then you have to hold it. You just sit there and hold you, it. You're right. You do. I, but I'm just saying, this is what I've always used. Mm-hmm. I put ice down inside of it. I put, you know, water down inside of it. I throw on one of those little, you know, one of those little toppers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a pourer spout. And then I drip that over, and that's that's what I that's how I originally started it, and that's that's what I still use today if I'm at home.
0: Right. Well, I mean that like this thing that we have right here. We've. You're giant been, brewer. But we've all yeah. been, you know, having a conversation while a glass is being made. Yes. Yeah. You know, which I think that's the fun of it. You know, while you, like
1: you have that time while it's dripping. To have a conversation, yeah. to flirt, to you know, gossip, mm-hmm. to do whatever it is that you want to do with whoever it is that you're with, yeah, yeah. and that increases the sociability of it.
2: I like uh, I like the fact that the and, and I've actually been to the old Absinthe Bar, but there, you, there are marble to, drippers. Uh, I mean, the entire area. I mean, the entire area is beautiful, but yeah. The, the old absinthe bar is very nice looking, and those those marble drippers. That's the thing. They have them sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. You you get your absinthe in a glass, and and you know it's poured to a, a certain area, mm-hmm. and you just take it over to the water, and you pour in the amount that you want. Right. So I think that's that's. Re- you get to be a part of the bartending experience, you exactly. know, even right. if you're drinking right. outside somewhere. Yeah. So, And I, I don't know any other bar that's like that, that you can have that experience. And that's the
1: traditional absinthe thing. They give you your absinthe, and you determine how much water you want in it.
3: Mm-hmm. And so how
1: strong your drink really is. Yes, yeah. and I think that's something a lot of people like. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Being part of the show. Being, being part, part of the, of the show. Having, having some control over it. Mm-hmm.
2: So, how are you guys enjoying La Fie Verte, the ghost town stout? Uh, it's very good. I, I think it is very good, but I think it is very stouty. It's, it it's not, quite stouty. I'm not a big stout person. It's so. not as absinthe as as you would like, I'm sure, Mike, and it's not as much as I would like for this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So, is, but I got to tell you, if you are gonna give a little, give a little swig of that, and um, and just throw a little chocolate in your face over here, because Joe's got these chocolate nuts. <laughs> I got uh, these. Yeah, do I got. I got, a, I got
1: have to respect those nuts yeah, put,
2: put those two together real quick And uh, they pair amazingly You know, the chocolate and the stout of
0: This course. has better legs than a couple of these uh, absinthe by themselves The stout mm-hmm. has better legs Yeah Which, I mean, it is thicker viscosity than probably
2: the absinthe mm-hmm. So I've got a white chocolate pretzel Yeah Chewing it up with the stout <laughs> just like sets it on fire. It's amazing. <laughs> Figuratively, not not literally.
0: Right. I want to talk about my favorite absinthe pop culture reference thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Moulin Rouge. The, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> the original has its moments. Uh, the remake they did in 2002. Oh, this <laughs> <I, laughs> yeah. What I'm talking about is Kylie Minogue. I didn't know. Okay, Yes, Kylie. that was cute. That's what I'm talking about. Everything else, meh, I'll take it or leave it, whatever. Um the movie gives me a headache. Does it? Is it because uh, of the, the randomness of the songs that are just pulled and Everything everywhere? about that movie gives me a headache. Really? I,
1: I find it unwatchable. <laughs> I have people who have sworn to kill me because I say it's a, I think it's a lousy film. It's just, <laughs> as,
0: as a film, it, it's very... Hard, you yes. know, to watch at, at certain points. I mean, it's a Baz Luhrmann film. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's Baz exactly. Luhrmann. But Kylie Minogue as the, the... Green Fairy. Yeah, she's like the incarnation of the Green Fairy, which was, you know, the, the, the muse. Mm-hmm. People, you know, back in the, the 1900s, that was what they would call that sort of euphoric feeling... When they would get inspiration, the
2: artists would and, get the inspiration. And we kind of discuss a little bit about, about the Thujon and and the fact that some people think that it it, it gives you more awareness, it, give, it makes right. you more awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet it still kind of makes you a little drunkenly at the yeah. same time. Oh, so yeah. it's you know it's 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 kind of like the speedball of liquors, I guess. You know what I mean? Kind of brings mm-hmm. you up and brings you down at the same time. Right. So you know, it being a muse, you can still write. Mm-hmm. Because you're nice and awake, but you're messed up. You're, exactly. you're drunk but at you, the same time. But it's that you that, can write, you can paint. That's, but you it's know. that release of inhibition
0: mm-hmm. uh, that I think a lot of people contribute. Um, you know the the sort of hallucinogenic properties with absinthe to being able to be free to write. Mm-hmm. You don't have writer's block or artist block or whatever you want to call it because those inhibitions are kind of gone. Yeah, mostly because you're trashed. <laughs> you know, exactly. But um, you know, in the early days, I think it—you know—contaminants and other other problems with with the uh, the batches, the turpentine, the turpentine, and drinking paint, and you know, all the wonderful things. But uh, yeah, Cali Mano as the uh, the Green Fairy, pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's in a movie called Euro Trip, which I've never that's seen. Good, that's good.
2: Yeah, I have actually seen that Euro trip, and, that. Uh, and there's, there's a, a green fairy that shows up during it, and it's it's a little ridiculous.
0: Is there? It's in the remake of Alfie. What's that? Um, oh, with was um, it?
1: Jude Law. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. never saw. But... Originally, it was a, a 50s movie. Yeah, with... Um, he, he was Alfred to Christian Bale's Batman. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, um... Uh, Michael Caine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm Michael Boom! K- Michael
0: Caine. Michael yeah. Caine. <laughs> um... And, and yeah, it's in there. He goes and uh, character seduced in a,
2: you know, with the aid
0: of absinthe.
2: So I also want to mention, uh, and we we did a little bit on our podcast about Jack the Ripper, where he, we had discussed, of course, From Hell. From Hell. It's where, in there. Yeah. yeah. Now, I want to mention that uh, Johnny Depp, when he did his little absinthe, instead of Dripping absinthe onto the sugar cube to do the check method, which I don't even think they did back then. Yeah,
1: I don't. Think and they we did had kind
2: of discussed that. That's a check is a
1: very modern method. Yeah, yes. it's not
2: a real method that so, that they use. So they of course took some artistic license there. Mm-hmm. But he, instead of using absinthe to drip on his sugar cubes to light it on fire, he actually took um, laudanum
1: mm. and dripped mm-hmm. it on the
2: sugar cube lit it on fire, and then mixed it into the absinthe. Which, and
1: that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah
2: that's, is, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that, going it, back to uh, the interview with the vampire. Yeah, so, yeah, he, he used uh, laudanum for that. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of funny, uh, you know, n- 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 neat little screen references. He's still per-
0: dog hair. I'm just warning
1: you guys, there's still dog hair around. For, that would be like, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: it's hair of the dog, Joe. You're good. Hair of the dog.
1: That would be like dropping a Vicodin in your absinthe today. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Uh, it's in Dracula. Well, Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92 with um, Gary Oldman and uh, Winona Ryder and yeah, Keanu. Uh, uh, it's also in Van this Helsing. Is me mixing up
2: my absinthe just in case you weren't... You no, know, I'm, I'm just trying to get
0: through these pop culture things so we can drink some more absinthe. Van Helsing and various, various
2: other films. It was, oh, they drank some absinthe in Van Helsing? The, yeah, the one with... Uh, the, the terror one? With H- Huge Jackman? With, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, the, oh, sh- hold on, the girl from... Uh, the girl that was in Underworld uh-huh. as well. Kate oh, yeah. Beckinsale. Oh. Yeah, she was in that oh, yes. movie as well. But it was just the Frankenstein monster was awful in there. It was awful. Yeah, it was oh, really... Actually, the, the entire...
1: Is... <laughs> oh, God, uh, I mean... I, I remember going to see that and there's a scene where Dracula is walking upside down on the ceiling delivering this big dramatic speech mm. and I and, and the audience laughing at <laughs> myself sick. Right.
3: Well,
0: the, was it the the... The vampire-werewolf battle at the end of that uh-huh. movie, remember that? Mm-hmm. And Frankenstein has like the bubbly, light-up head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
2: stupid. No, really, I watched it and I thought to myself, I should like this a lot more than I do. And I just don't. Uh,
0: I, yeah. I was thinking Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker and
2: all these people would just be like, what
3: the hell did you do? What did you do to my movie? What are you doing? What did you do to
2: my book? Oh, man. Are you empty there? Any dog hair, any hair of the dog no, in that I, one? There's her dog in this one. Okay. <laughs> Luckily, um, uh, Joe's used to that because he knows my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike is the only one that I'm kind of worried about because he's our guest for tonight. That he's getting dog hair in his glass, <laughs> but I think he hasn't had one yet, I or he been, hasn't noticed. Have you either you been dog hair
1: free? I, I? I have been dog hair free.
2: <laughs> Good, or as I like to call it, hair of the dog free. <laughs> Which we're all going to need tomorrow. Right. So mentioning Hair of the Dog, I just want to mention this thing that we had talked about. I don't think we wound up getting it on the recording so far, but it was called the Corpse Reviver Mm. Number 2. So uh, I found out it was sometime during the 40s, the 50s, uh, someone had written a book, and he had uh, put in all kinds of corpse revivers. Now, they call it a corpse reviver because you use it as a hangover cure, a Hair of the Dog, if you will.
0: this isn't like a... Bad Juju, like, Mojo, like no, an actual like a zombie Like a zombie? Yeah, like The yeah, drink the is zombie? Not, this yeah. is not a Corpse. No. Is just uh, a, this a is a refresher. A refresher. This, okay. Yeah, this
2: is it. And so, like, the first one has cognac in it, Corpse Reviver number one. Hmm. But it, well, I just thought it was funny. I kept on coming across Corpse Reviver number two, it being an absinthe drink. And I was like... Why the hell is it called Corpse Reviver Number Two? And that's because when he had written the book, uh-huh. it w- they had Corpse Reviver One, Two, Three, Four, four and five. five. It was it was, uh, you know, five different, different variations. five or I think it might have been six, but it was like five different variations. But they weren't really variations; they were completely different cocktails. Hmm. But the entire point was, it was called a Corpse Reviver because it's a uh, it's a you know. A hangover drink. So Mm. it was his hangover drinks and what he named them. So Corpse Reviver number two is a very specific one with absinthe. Hmm.
1: Yeah, the Savoy's Harry Craddock prescribed four of these taken in swift succession to weary travelers.
3: (laughs) And I mean, the Corpse
1: Reviver number two, I mean, that is gin, Cointreau, Lily Blanc, lemon juice, and eight drops of absinthe. Wow.
2: So it, really, the absinthe is more of just like uh, it's a, to give it the menthol yeah. kind of you know anise flavor to it.
1: Right. This is from a book called Absinthe Cocktails by Kate Simon, which is fascinating and annoying all at once. <laughs> <laughs> what? There are a lot of recipes that call for like oh a couple drops of absinthe, you know, or such a, I've, I've seen that. We were yeah. talking about that earlier. Like yeah. Or you swirl and you then swirl dump. it and dump it out. Which I'm like, oh, how could you do that
2: to absinthe? It costs so well, much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I And I can't tell you whose video it was, but at some point, I came across a video where they were talking about making Sazeracs. Yeah. And the, the one bartender, instead of swirling it and dumping it out, what he does is he puts it in a spritzer. So, you know, ah. like a little spray, you know, like a little spray can. Right, right. So he puts his absinthe in there, then he can spritz so the glass. That makes sense. and then And then that's when he makes the cocktail. So right. he doesn't have to waste it. Because absinthe can be very expensive. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much between all the bottles that all of us have, Oof. the three of us put together, well, I
0: think from but, probably from the cheapest, uh, the Absinthe.
2: The Absinthe is probably the cheapest. It's yeah. about
0: thirty-five bucks a bottle.
2: Okay. Going up to well, my my Lafite, I believe, was somewhere in the 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 somewhere in the ballpark of about sixty to seventy dollars. And mm-hmm. the most expensive I've seen, yeah, on on shelves, is. Over eighty bucks,
1: really doesn't well, talk ninety. My, yeah, the Paranoid uh, at my local place, the Lucid was sixty-four bucks, mm-hmm. the Kubler was fifty something, Paranoid was like eighty something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
2: the Pacific was was just around somewhere around sixty dollars. Yeah. Right. So you can see this is all very expensive liquor. Yeah, even at the cheapest,
1: thirty-five bucks yeah, and a bottle is yeah, expensive. Yeah, and this this book also a lot of recipes call for is specific type of absinthe. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then with all these other obscure liqueurs, creme de violette, you know, and all this kind of stuff, to make everything in here, you have to have very deep pockets. Right. Or go for one
0: specific drink and and that's all you're going to drink for a month. Yeah, exactly.
1: And to me, that's, of course, there's a lot of cool history and some good good workable recipes, but it is kind of annoying.
2: Yeah. If you try the, the beer made with the absinthe and then try the absinthe, right back-to-back, back. they, they like, pair with each other. It's they a, do complement it's, it's, each yeah, other. Yeah, it's a very neat kind of flavor. But it has,
0: because you have the thick, stouty, you know, base to this beer and that very light, bitter, sweet
1: to the absinthe, mm-hmm.
0: it, it works very well. Yeah. Now, this is
1: called an obituary, which is another classic one. This is a actually a cousin to the martini. Oh. All right. So we have... Two ounces of gin, my good friend, Broker's, which I use a lot. Some people don't like it, but I do.
2: So that isn't perhaps a 60 or 70-year-old gin? No. Okay, just want to make sure.
0: Yeah, like that turpentine you made us drink that one time.
1: <laughs> and then a quarter ounce of dry vermouth. I have some Noi Pratt, which is my favorite. And then another quarter ounce of absinthe. He poured more than a quarter ounce. Gosh. I'm
2: absolutely sure about that. <laughs> oh. Oh, the gin. The gin goes well with that. I haven't even tasted it yet. I'm just smelling it. But the gin, I can tell, goes well. Oh, very good.
0: Very good sound.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this is what again? An obituary. The obituary. the obituary. It's kind of fitting because I think this is our last cocktail of the night. Exactly. And this might put me in the ground. <laughs>
1: Now, my favorite cocktail is called the Satan's Whisker. And it's two parts, two parts each, dry vermouth, sweet vermouth, orange juice, and gin. Mm. One part, orange liqueur, shaken over ice with a couple dashes of orange bitters. And served with an orange peel. I like oranges. Mm. But,
3: nice.
1: <laughs> I got it from a 20s um, cocktail book. And I just said, I have to try this just for the name, the Satan's Whisker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so
2: I have to say with this cocktail, I have to really mention the, the, the you know, you have the juniper kind of playing off your your other botanicals mm-hmm. that are in the absinthe, and I really kind of get that, that flavor. It's actually almost a little, I don't know, it hits me somewhere, <laughs> like it's in middle the middle, it, it hits me in the middle of my tongue somewhere, where I'm getting something when they mix together, I can't, I, I don't know if I can explain it, especially now about, However many I am in.
1: <laughs> it, does, it, it does get to you, but it's a very, very pleasant getting. There's a bar in D.C. called Libertine, mm-hmm. which is an absinthe bar. And they, oh, have, they have over, like, what, 30 or 40 different something varieties? Something like that, yes. Yeah.
2: How come I'm in Baltimore? I've never heard of this before. We have to go.
0: We're in Baltimore. They're in D.C. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: We've got a couple of rum
0: bars, who, which have over 100 different rums. That's true. Mm-hmm. But they're the only place that have over thirty different kinds of absinthe.
1: Yes, it's in Adams Morgan. I went there once, but just before I moved out, and it was it was pleasant.
0: Really? Yeah. Do they do the uh, drip method? Or they have the,
1: they have a drip up on the bar. They actually tried to get me to do the bohemian, and nice. I'm just kind of like, no, I'm too good for the bohemian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretentious, you know. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just like, no, I just don't like setting glass work on fire. You know? Right. So.
2: But we'll have to go down there. Absolutely. And we gave the Bohemian a shot and it just didn't quite work out for us uh, that much. I didn't get as much caramel like flavor. you could let it burn longer. Yeah. Could but I you know, but then again, you know, maybe it's not really worth it. True. So you're burning know. half the alcohol. A off lot anyway.
1: of people think it's not worth it. Yeah. 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 So. I just I, I really do enjoy this method, just yes, it's a simple method. Yeah. It's not wasteful, and yeah, you don't have the worries of starting a fire, <laughs> <laughs> or and that, especially yeah. when you're
0: like you know a, a few sheets in, yeah, you, you don't have that worry. You, yeah, you don't want that.
1: You don't say, oh yeah, here, let me set this on fire, <laughs> right? And then you're calling your insurance company from mm-hmm. your mom's house the next day, right? Uh,
0: so I guess, guys, let's let's wrap this one up. Uh, We've been talking for
3: quite a while
0: about the wonders of absinthe, and all I have to say is, give it a shot. You you probably heard a lot of weird and strange things.
3: It's no worse
1: than a lot of other liqueurs out there. It's just a different flavor. Yeah, that's all it is. So if you enjoy the flavor, give it a shot. Try it.
2: Chris has got nuts (laughs) in his mouth. Chris,
3: it's a pretzel.
2: It's a pretzel. (laughs) It's a pretzel
1: this time. It's delicious.
2: It's a delicious pretzel. Right. Pretend
1: you're in Paris, and you know, in, in Victorian <laughs> times, in the Belle Do they have pretzels then? Yes, they had pretzels. <laughs> the pretzel. yeah. Yes. yeah, pretzels and absinthe. That's what Degas lived on. it's, yep. it's all your no, well you No, no,
2: absolutely. I just want to say that I have really enjoyed tonight, and. Uh, Joe, thank you for coming along, but you're here yeah. every episode I'm here with all me. the time. So I really want to thank Mike yeah, for man. coming on out. Seriously, thank uh, you for your knowledge. Thank and, you for and,
1: having me. Call me up if you ever need me, you know, for anything. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Thank and you. make sure you go online uh, on the uh, internets, if you will, mm-hmm. and go look up dust and corruption. Yeah, yeah. Google
1: it. It'll be the first thing you find. Dust Absolutely. and corruption. Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, thank you again, Mike. And uh, curiosos. Have a wonderful night. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween. Ho, 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 ho. Absent oh, the green fairy.
3: <laughs> the green fairy has
2: taken me over.
0: No, really. It, she has. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to dream about Kylie Minogue tonight.
1: <laughs> and her
3: sweet...
1: I'll dream about you and McGregor.
3: <laughs> All right. Night, <laughs> <I> guys. <laughs>
2: Hey, is there any topics that you want us to cover anything that you want to talk to us about or let us know about email us feedback at the curioso.com our facebook facebook.com backslash the curioso podcast we tweet at curioso podcast and if you have any five-star reviews you'd like to give us on itunes please feel free
0: Oh, no, I can do one more cocktail. I just don't want to know. I don't know if I can do more reading <laughs> if I do another cocktail. And what is the it? Absentee, absentee, absentee is like about here. Absentee? So I had to break
2: into it. I had you to got break that far it. down? Yeah. Holy s***. <laughs> 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 okay. So I had I'm to try saying, that thing out last night. I, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> God damn nuts. <laughs> nuts in
3: your mouth? <laughs> uh, In my throat. Mm-hmm. That takes work. I got him real far back there. <laughs>